Oh, welcome in brand new Tuesday scramble, May 31st, 2022. It is the Tuesday of the Memorial. I'm Rick Gaiman, that right there. Andy Lack, Andy, here we go. What's going on, man? Um, I love this tournament. This is a, uh, we're in a pretty good stretch now, I would say. I would say we're in a great stretch. Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be fun. Lots of money on the line. Obviously, a great field, great golf course. I'll get your thoughts on that in just a second. But yeah, man, we are we are rocking and rolling. This is uh, it's hard to forget that when we get through our final major championship, you have to wait what eight months for the next one, something like that, because this is the time of year that we're super spoiled. So would you, if you were like the golf czar, would you spread it out more so it wasn't such a big wait between the Open and the Masters? Or do you kind of like, the, I can't like, and I know you can relate to this because you probably even do more content than I do during the major weeks. But like, it takes me like a solid four or five days to unwind from, you know, the 16 hours of content I have to do on a major week. I can't believe the US Open is so soon. Yeah, it's it kind of snuck up. I mean, some I forget who tweeted it out, but it was when the final putt dropped at Southern Hills. There was a tweet that was that said like we're twenty six days away from the U.S. Open or something right, like that. They're twenty five <laughs> days apart. Yeah. <laughs> um, I if I was golf czar, I would not spread them out. I would, uh, I would add at least another major. Uh, it wow, would be a, really. Yeah, it would be a match play major. And then I would uh, probably have some type of team thing at some point to spread okay. out the year a bit longer. Interesting. This is a good uh, longer podcast idea too for us maybe to do on like an off week or something like that. Uh, what I would probably do is I would push because you don't want to go up against football, right? But I would push... I would maybe push the open championship back closer into August and maybe have the FedEx cup come before the open championship. And then the open championship is more of it's just own standalone thing. And you get that competitive starvation of, okay, the U S opens at the end of June and then you get like a full two months and then you have everything building up to that open championship, maybe at the end of August instead of the end of July, I wouldn't add another major because I think the competitive starvation thing is huge. I think having four a year is what makes it special. Uh, yes, we will have to do a golf czar episode at some point where we just grant each other ultimate power to do whatever we want. And then we just see what happens from there. We are indeed, uh, presented by our friends over at prize picks. We had an open discussion on Friday about, well, I think it was Friday on strategy for props. And I got a lot of good feedback. So we're going to try something similar. And there is a lot of New things going on for this week, so that'll come in just a little bit. The code is Rick. There's a link in the description. That'll get you 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. But Andy, Sammy Burns, three times a winner. I thought I thought Scotty was going to get number five before we entered into June, but through attrition and the rest of the leaderboard melting down, we got a very fun little playoff that Sam Burns ends up being victorious with. It's crazy to think about, you know, how deep this American kind of cohort of, of golf is right now. I mean, Burns didn't even make the Ryder Cup last year. There was ongoing debates last year about whether Scotty would make it himself. And now they've combined for what, seven wins in the last five or six months. Um, you know, Burns is the interesting one to me. I talked about this a little bit on, I did like a majors over under pod. Uh, a couple weeks ago. And it's weird because now you have this dichotomy with him where he's racking up PGA tour wins, um, right? Like he's had, he's a, he's got just as many wins as like Xander and Fowler now, essentially, but zero top 15s in majors ever. So with Burns, it's kind of reached the point where, you know, he could win a bunch more times on the PGA tour. I think he's earned that benefit of the doubt and proven that much. I think he's just going to be continued to be defined at this point by how he does in majors. Uh, yes. And which that's a gift and a curse. When you are graded on major championships, major championship wins, that is a gift uh, because it says you are in 
this echelon of golfer. And it is a curse because if you don't win or contend four times a year, uh, there's so few of them and there's so many guys, we start saying, ah, he's not that I mean, Rory McIlroy, right? It's been eight years since he's won a major championship. Nobody really cares about all the wins in the meantime. We expect Rory to win majors. And that is how he is graded. Right. Is Sam Burns the new James Harden? <laughs> like I, 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 I start. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I think that there's no reason why his game shouldn't translate to majors, right? Like he's got, he's really strong T to green. He hits the ball a long way. He's a good putter. Like you actually trust there. He's not team no putt, right? Like you trust him. You trust him over a 10 footer, uh, with your life on the line. Right. And, and it, he kind of had that Bermuda rep early in his career, but he's, you look at how he's done on bent too. He's plenty strong on bent as well. Um, so there's no real reason why his game should it translate to majors. Um, I guess, it, I guess it'll be interesting to see. I kind of like him at St. Andrews, maybe more than I like him a little bit at, at the U S open, but I pretty bullish that he'll figure it out in the next year or so. Yeah, he's also very young still. He's like 20. Right. 25, I think. Uh, he is 25. He'll turn 26 in basically six weeks. Right. So I always ask these questions to you, but like, what's a more impressive career if Burns wins? Because I guess a good natural comparison, kind of the inverse of Burns would be Zalatoris, right? Where this is a dude that has a runner-up at the Masters, lost in the playoff at a PGA, but still hasn't won on the PGA Tour. Like, what's a more impressive start to a career, in your opinion? A guy who wins Colonial and the Valspar, or a dude that is contending in majors? It's a good question. I yeah, that's what I'm here for, man. Uh... So I'll, I'll, I'll take a cop out here. I think Zalatoris is probably the better player, but I think Burns's resume is stronger, right? Like actually winning golf tournaments and they're not necessarily pushover events, right? I mean, not last, bad fields. No, yeah, this was a good field last week. They're not super great, but I think that, uh, and we say this a lot, winning is a skill. And if right. you don't have the winning skill, then that is by default a flaw in the game. And and I think Sam Burns has already proven now what four wins already three this year that um, he has that skill set. Right. And it's interesting because both you could consider humps, right? Like you could you could think of winning just in general on the PGA Tour. Like that's a hump to get over. And you see a guy like Scotty Scheffler who doesn't win for a while. And you even start to have people say, man, when's Scotty going to win? He might be the best player without a win. And then he gets over the hump and the floodgates open. Major championship golf is probably like a hump too, right? It's a different vibe that week. Your routine is probably different. You have to play a different style of golf. You know, there's, it's more of a mental test. Jordan Spieth talks a lot about how, you know, you really have to understand the tournament and peak at the right time and, and all that different type of stuff. And it's another, it's just another different type of hump to get over. Um, but I think both of those players will get over their respective humps pretty soon. If I had to bet on it. One guy who's trying to get over that hump is Harold Farner, the third and Andy, the leaderboard. Five guys were at 10 under par. Davis Riley got to 11 under. It just wilted away. And no one melted down more than HV3, who went triple, double, triple, I believe is the three-hole stretch that he had. And I hate this saying that HV3 is allergic to the lead, but I wish he would prove me wrong at some point. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not of the, I think kind of what happened, it, it looked a lot, it ended up being a lot worse than it was, right? He was pretty much out of it with that triple. And then it just, it kind of po started piling on and it, it probably got to a point where, you know. But isn't that, okay. So I also think that is a skill, like not pulling the, right. the shoot, not completely ejecting. Davis Riley makes a bogey with a short 
uh, a short par putt on whatever that par three is like 13 or whatever, and then immediately whips one OB and he still was able to right the ship and finish inside the top five HV three. When he, when he is out of the tournament, pulls the shoot and doesn't even, he didn't finish like 27th and he's done that before, right? He, he finished like 41st at the PGA championship from the final group. He finished like outside the top 10 at Riviera when he was on the lead in the lead on 10 T he just absolutely ejects from it. Right. But he may not, he may not like, for example, Rom has talked about this before where if Rom thinks he has a chance for the win, he's just going to absolutely go for it. And if he makes a bunch of bogeys and finishes 29th, that is the same thing as to him as finishing second. Do you think Varner is, is at that point? Uh, no one is John Rahm and one is Harold Varner. The third, right? When you're John Rahm, former number one player in the world, you can say things like that. I don't care about, I, I only care about winning. And if I finish T seven, who cares? I'm sorry, Harold. I love you, bud does not get the luxury of that. Okay. All right. That's fair. I, I mean, he's made plenty of money in his career and, you know, maybe he's got another 4 million coming down the pipe in a couple of weeks. In That's the, true. In Saudi he event. winning a lot of money very soon, Andy. <laughs> yeah. So no, I mean, it's, it's indefensible. I'm basically just playing devil's advocate with him here. I think I don't, I'm not personally of the belief that, uh, he's incapable of winning, right? Like I don't, I don't want to rule anyone out. I, I think the, the way that I always look at it is, you know, opportunities are so valuable. So give you, just keep putting yourself in position. And I would rather have you put yourself in position and be bad than not even put yourself in position at all. It's like the, it's like the college football thing. It's like, would you rather have an unbelievable season, make it to the college football playoff and then lose to Ohio state 75 to nothing or would you rather not even get in a position to play Ohio State, right? And you almost get knocked more for putting yourself in great position. And what Varner has done a lot more than a lot of other players, you know, at Varner's price point and maybe his skill level, is he's put himself in position. He gets killed because when he gets to that position, he's been downright horrendous. But Harold Varner's been in the final group of a major championship, right? He's had the lead on the back nine at a tournament like Riviera. He's had the lead on a back nine at a great tournament like Colonial here. There's a ton of great players like, a, I don't know, a Cameron Tringali. When has he been relevant in a major or a big tournament like this? Or, you know, so I, I think he gets hurt more by the fact that he puts himself in position it's disgusting what happens when he's in that position though. That's indefensible. I can't, there's nothing I can say about that. Yeah, the other good comp is uh, we, we shred Tony Finau for not winning enough because he's always so close to the top, but exactly. Xander's always. another guy like that too. Right. Yeah. Uh, re uh, real quick. I want to put a bow on this because we talked about this uh, last week. I'm going to try to share my screen here. Armina. Um, let me see if I can do this. Uh, I brought this up last week that I couldn't find the, um, the money list prop. Actually, Brian Kirshner sent it to me, and then I saw that uh, Caesars has it as well. So just to put a bow on this conversation that we've had at one point, Scotty Scheffler, heavy favorite, minus 1,000. JT, 16 to 1 to win the money list. Cam Smith, Sam Burns, both 25 to 1. To put this into perspective, Andy, Scotty Scheffler's already at 11.2 million. Cam Smith is at 6.9. So that is 4.3 million behind and he's 25 to one. If you think he can pull it off. Wouldn't it make more sense to just like bet JT or Cameron Smith at a major at a slightly low number, slightly lower number than this, because wouldn't they have to win? Wouldn't they have to win like a major and maybe another tour event to get there? Yeah. So these guys probably only have, uh, two, three, four, like they might only play like six or seven more times because the tour championship mm -hmm. does not count in this. So yeah. you're talking about the two playoff events. So you've got two major championships. You've got this event. You've got maybe playing somewhere else, the playoff events. So maybe seven, maybe eight more starts if you're lucky. Uh, so, so yeah, you're going to need to win a major and something else. And you're also going to need Scheffler not to be continue to be relevant. And can we really bank on Scheffler like 
missing cuts at the final two majors, you know, Sheffler could, I could easily see Sheffler finish like top seven at the next two majors and, you know, maybe and be relevant. And, you know, he's earned that benefit of the doubt. Right. So you have to, you have to bet it both ways. You have to hope someone gets crazy hot and Scheffler struggles, which is tough. Yeah. Yeah, you can't play defense on Scotty, unfortunately. It doesn't matter what your guy does. It doesn't matter if your guy wins twice. If Cam Smith wins a major and the first playoff event and Scotty finishes like third two more times, like he's still going to win it. <laughs> right. Right. You're almost, be- I mean, it's the FedEx Cup thing too is, is funny. It's like, I think that, I think it was Kyle Porter who tweeted it, but like the difference between Scotty and Cam is the same difference between Cam and the guy who's like 210th. Yes. But so I would almost rather bet someone else to win the FedEx Cup because at worst, right? If Scotty could be 9 billion points ahead of second place, he's only going to get a two shot lead. Yeah. Right. The, the starting strokes are not proportionate to the number of FedEx Cup points that you have earned. So right. I'd almost rather look to see what the odds are for someone else winning the FedEx Cup. Right. And we've seen guys just get really hot at the right time and win the FedEx Cup. Like Horschel did it that year where he just won a playoff event and then went into East Lake and won East Lake. Uh Cantley did the same thing last year, right? He won the BMW and then won East Lake. So I agree. If you're gonna bet like against Scheffler this season, I'd probably say you gotta go FedEx over Moneyless. Moneyless feels like it's kind of kind of Vince Carter gift. Yeah, I think it is as well. Uh okay. We have got to talk about uh, this event, the Memorial. We've got to do props. We've got to do head-to-head matchups. We've got a lot to do. So we're going to take 30 seconds and we're going to hit the Memorial on the other side. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, the Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. The Memorial, Mirfield Village. Um, Andy, you had such a great breakdown, as always, on rickrungood.com about uh, the, the I, I always like the, the Jack Nicholas influence. Um, before we get into that for Mirfield Village, did you see this stat, this fun fact that Nicholas Designs, so his, the, the firm that does this, have designed over 1% of all the golf courses on, on planet Earth? I did not. That is crazy. And I was actually talking about this with our mutual friend, Steve, last night on our podcast about Nicholas's best courses. He's only got two in the top 50. Um, and Muirfield is his highest. I mean, Muirfield is sure. widely accepted as his best golf course. Sure. Yeah. So the, the firm has designed 425 different golf courses and the, the, the roughish estimate of how many golf courses there are on earth is about 40,000. So 425 divided by 40,000, it's a little more than 1%, which is crazy stuff. I don't know. I always say like, I doubt they even design these. They just like slap his name on it and take credit for it. But obviously Muirfield village is uh, very near and dear to his heart. hundred percent. I mean, I think what he wanted he wanted to recreate like his own kind of version of the masters, not just in the way that he designed Muirfield. Obviously there's a lot of aesthetic comparisons to Augusta, but you know, he wanted a smaller tournament, right? An invitational status. This is, you know, one of the only five invitationals on tour. It's got 120 players in the field. Um, The masters is similar to that. It's got a smaller field too. And it's a lot about tradition, right? That you get your, your plaque, on the on the wall there's this big ceremony there's a dinner that week for all the champions i think it's the the tradition and history of it is something that jack cares about a lot and i think that's part of the reason that we see such a good field is you know you're showing up to jack's tournament and and he's one of the greatest two or three players of all time and one of the legends in the game so every year i would say hmm i, I don't know this might be my favorite non-major tournament of the year 
Yeah, it's awesome. And I, and I just love, um, obviously, just like the fine lines, right? You know, these are fairly generous fairways. They're, they're a little bit more difficult to miss. But if you do, big penalty right? Which I like that. I like when, and same thing kind of around the greens as well. You know, you can hit these greens, but if you don't like, good luck. I, I like that there are actual penalties lurking out there that are not water uh, or, you know, just things that actually account for penalty strokes. Right. Like this rough Rick is actually a problem for these guys, which is not something that you see every week on the PGA tour. So now you get this situation with Mirfield, which I think is really fun too, where you've got pretty wide fairways, right? But the penalty is really bad. And so what this does is it creates a situation where there couldn't be a lot of variance on, on every hole. And I think that's why we've seen a bunch of playoffs here in the past. And yes, we've seen a very high class of winners, but we've also had our William McGirtz and our, our David Langmertz. And that's the type of golf that I personally like because there are opportunities on Muirfield. It's a par 72. There's five, there's four par fives, right? All of them are generally reachable in two if you get a tee shot. Um, so you can score on this course, but I think we'll probably also see some great players shoot like 76 next week too. Oh, I love that. How about um, the changes that we went through in 2020? So we've played one year here at Muirfield Village with the new changes. A little bit of lengthening. And uh, from what I can tell, Andy, just a lot of work on the greens. Every green has basically been touched here. Right. Every green has been changed, remodeled, modified in some way, shape, or form. You know, he did make the driving areas a little bit tighter, right? So one of the staples of Nicholas courses is that the hole gets harder the closer that you get to the hole, right? So Muirfield Village has these, most Nicholas courses have these big wide fairways and then smaller greens, right? And Muirfield still does have that to a certain extent. Um, but, you know, these pinched the driving areas a little bit. And as we talked about before, there's this big penalty if you miss. So to me, the, and he's also repositioned a lot of fairway bunkers to kind of account for how long these players hit it now. So to me, all the renovation does is it makes it even more of a complete test of your entire game, right? I think in the past you could define Muirfield as this true kind of second shot golf course. And, and I don't know if we can really look at it that way. Like you look at someone like Patrick Cantlay, he was awesome off the tee last year. And it's kind of this cause and effect, right? Where you have to hit greens in regulation at Muirfield. But the only way that you do that is by hitting it in the fairway. Mm. All right. I'm ready for, I'm ready for a great week. You're right. This is a fun one. 12 million bucks up top invitational 120. Um, so more guys are going to be getting through or at least a larger percentage and an absolutely stacked field. That should probably be, I haven't seen the official strength of field, but probably over 600 or so. I want to talk about players specifically. I want to talk about some options that we have going on. We're going to do the props next. And I've got a lot of thoughts about this. So let's take 30 seconds. We'll get to the props. I've recently started using Juice Reel as a way to track all my bets in real time. Since I can sync the app to all my sports books, I don't miss any wager and I've learned a ton more about my betting habits. There are built-in line shopping features, so I know that I'm always getting the best lines available, and once the game starts, I can see the value of my bets fluctuate in real time with the scoring so that I always have an understanding of my expected value. The performance analytics have made me much more knowledgeable about the bets that I have the most success at, hint, top 10s, and there's no going back for me. Download the Juice Reel app with the link in the description. Quickly, Juice Reel has literally made me money for the sports that I know nothing about. I just look at who the sharp guys are on because they know who the sharp guys are on and who the bad guys are on. And I just follow the sharp guys and I just print money. That's the best. The crowdsourcing insights thing or the tools is like, that's the best part of it. hundred percent. And it's not like, and I think, I don't know if I've talked about this with you before, but generally people are like, oh, well, the number of tickets versus the amount of money, that means the sharps are on this side or just means, no, the square guys are richer and like big bets have come in and skewed that. But because they sync the data, they actually know who the winning players are. And then they tell you these winning players are on this side and I just follow them. 
I wonder if you could do, I wonder if there's a way to do that with golf. Golf gets a little bit trickier with all these different market options, I guess. Yeah. I, know so I mean, outright, outright betting is so variable. Anyway. Anyway, prize picks. Private leg is hot. It's time. So we're going to continue this open discussion. And Andy, what I have noticed is that for whatever reason, and I love this, uh, prize picks, they're all in on this birdies or better matchup thing. So there are mm -hmm. 20, I think there's 24. Yes. 26 times four, six. Yes. 24 different matchups. Now these are not tournament matchups. These are not necessarily even your, your standard round by round matchups. These are birdie or better matchups. And we talked last week about maybe finding some edges here, but for, but I, I think this is going to be a staple of the week moving forward because of how much they're committed to this. Which I like as well. Right. I mean, I think, you know, you're basically, I, I generally like, cause I like matchups a lot, just in general, you get to pick on other people as opposed to the idea of trying to figure out how the course is going to play and prize picks now is kind of giving you the options to do both. If you have a strong lean on like, okay, the course is going to play particularly tough today. We've talked about how we could use pin positions to our advantage, weather to our advantage, wind to our advantage, all that stuff. But now with the, and you can still do that with the greens and regulation and the scoring and the fairways hit. But now you get into a situation where you can do a lot more fading of certain golfers and the, matchups that they it's i don't know they match up against it's not the matchups i necessarily would have made put it that way they're they are um bizarre i i mean yeah. i don't know i hope i'm hoping you guys can see my screen here if not i tweeted this out uh so it is on my on my twitter profile so what i did is i went through andy and i grabbed all of the available golfers i grabbed their Last 12, last 24, and last 36 birdie or better rates. Then I took the average of those. Then I compared those to their opponent. So the way that this reads is that Bryson DeChambeau makes essentially 10% more birdies than the guy he's playing against, which is Matthew Wolf. Tom Hoagie, 6.74% more than his opponent, Ricky Fowler. So Armina, can we drop that uh banner so we can see this whole thing but like is nope 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 we'll figure it out mm -hmm. but like is this is this a good like i'm just looking at these kind of blended birdie or better rates how do we feel about that as a strategy i like it a lot um i i think that's probably the best way to do it right i mean birdie or better it's tricky some it's tricky sometimes because these guys aren't always playing all of the all of the same courses but right. what what i struggle with i because I, I looked at a lot of these and i almost started to feel like is this a is it is this a little trappy because i didn't understand how they were doing it so for example they have rom up against davis riley What's the difference between those guys in the betting market? I mean, it's got to, I mean, Rom's like what, 10 to one? Riley is like 50 to one. What's their DraftKings pricing different? Rom's over 11K, Riley's like 8.5. And you go down the line and it's like Cam Smith versus Keegan Bradley, huge pricing discrepancy in all other markets. Morikawa versus Leishman, huge pricing discrepancy. Cantley versus Power, um, like, Rory versus Keith Mitchell, Xander versus Siwoo. Like, why don't they just why don't they just match up Rom versus Rory? I, I don't know. What are we missing? Are these these are these the worst lines ever set? Because all of them are zero, right? So when they first released the birdie or better matchups, they did have guys that were favorites, and they'd be like minus a half a birdie or something like that. I know everything's at zero now. So are these the worst lines ever, or are we stepping into a trap? I don't know. I have like cold feet just betting all of these, but at the same time, it feels like a, an intern woke up a little bit late this morning and just, I don't understand why they don't have Rom matched up with Rory or Cam Smith matched up with Hovland or, you know, Xander, Xander matched up with Cantley. It doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm not going to go crazy 
but I'm going to bet the better player. And you know, if, if it turns out really weird, it turns out really weird. And I didn't put down too crazy of a, of an investment, but I, I, I'm having a difficult time understanding it too. I agree that it looks like a trap, but I also don't know how it could be right. I mean, there are objectively over long sample sizes and, and we I could run it for 50 rounds or a hundred rounds or whatever you want, because these guys do play different events that objectively just make a ton more birdies than the other guy that they're matched up against. Just objective. Sure. Now, now maybe yeah. over 18 holes that is, you know, less likely to come to fruition. And maybe I should start looking at uh, events that they both played, but I don't know necessarily how it could be a trap. The other thing too, is I think prize picks does so well and gets so much of their action and cleans up so much in like NBA and NFL that I don't think they put as much time or effort into golf. And I think they could operate fine with a loss in golf, right? I would imagine that's the case. We've talked about that. And actually, uh, I, I am a little bit privy that the, the Rick run good people who use the code Rick are, uh, winning. (laughs) I've I've come to find out that that is, that is happening. Um, so I agree with you. I think the PGA stuff is is probably a drop in the bucket or or a loss leader. Like, hey, if you want to come in and play um, and play PGA and take advantage of Colin Morikawa over Mark Leishman, fine. But we know you're also going to be right. in on all these way sharper things that markets have already determined are so much sharper, like the NBA, the NFL, all that stuff. Hundred percent. It's the same reason why sports books do boosts, right? Like yeah. they don't care. They'll give you a better number on a golfer. And even if that golfer wins, that's fine. They've got a new customer that's probably going to lose long term and is probably going to lose in the NFL and the NBA. So they'll say, Hey, we'll set these ridiculous golf odds, try and entice you to sign up because we're confident that you're going to stick around and lose in other markets too, right? So I think it's a way, I think it's another way to completely take advantage of it. Okay. So, um, I, I tweeted that out. So if you go to my Twitter or maybe Armina can drop it in the chat, the link in the chat or something like that, where, uh, I've got all the matchups for round one and all the differences in birdie or better rate. And some of these guys like, okay, Bryson, if you want to pass on that, cause you're worried about him being injured, whatever, but like all the rest of them are there. Uh, Armina also, can you throw up that slide with the stats from last year? Yeah. So last year's scoring average, Andy, 72.97. That's a stroke over par. Fairways were closer to nine per round. Greens and regulation, 10 and a half. Birdies are better, 3.3. If you look at the, so that plays to a 73. If you look at the strokes that they offer here, uh, ROM is the, is the lowest strokes at 70. It goes up to 72. Did you have any thoughts about how these, I mean, you're asking these guys to, well, it'll probably get harder on the weekend. Maybe shoot a shot, a shot and a half better than the field. First glance, they felt a little bit too low. Second glance, we're dealing with some of the better player, you know, the best players in this entire field. And I agree, the uh, the course is going to get more difficult as the week goes on. Uh, I didn't see a massive edge here. Uh, probably more so with greens and regulation felt a little bit high to me. Okay. So, uh, that greens and regular. So average last year was 10 and a half. Obviously these are better players, but you're right. All of them 10 and a half or higher. And there are some Rom Xander that get to 12 and a half years. Some of these are pretty big ass. I agree. And there's more ways to beat a scoring prop from a player than there is to beat uh, greens and regulation prop, because there's only one way that you can hit a green, but there's a lot of different ways that you can manufacture a score, right? So I think it's a bigger ask for somebody to, if your greens and regulation is 10.5 per round and you're asking Rom to hit 13, I would rather take a chance that Rom figures out a way to manufacture a lower score than I would for him to just this one Avenue. Right. So I think like, for example, you know, can't lay like you look, all these guys are great iron players, right? Um, some of the, the lesser iron players of that group 
is who's still good, but like Fitzpatrick and Cantlay are probably the uh, the worst iron players of that high end bunch of Rom, Xander, Smith, uh, Morikawa, Hovland. So maybe you kind of pick on those guys a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. I also sometimes like to find guys who might get super wayward off the tee because if you are playing out of the rough, uh, right. again, that's that's kind of uh, you know hitting a green in regulation is. It's a, it's essentially a two shot thing. You've got to keep yourself live off the tee, and then you've got to hit the green. If you are not live off the tee, uh, you could find yourself in big trouble. Any thoughts on like, do we have any sense of what Bryson's going to do this week? No, I was going to ask you this too. Do we just kind of like slam the unders here with Bryson? Like I, to be honest with you, I, I like that he's playing, right? It seems like we sit here on Tuesday morning and it seems like he's going to play. I know he withdrew from colonial a little bit later in the week. I can't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday, but I think you just have to fade Bryson. Like I, I, I don't see any scenario with how deep the PGA Taurus and how good some of these players have gotten that you're just going to be able to show up at a course like Mirfield and win on your first try. All I'm basically looking for with Bryson is like something. I want to see something because I think he will be a really good play potentially in his second start, but not his first. Yes. I'm actually quite bullish on Bryson moving forward. I'm hoping that now that the injury has been addressed, that that was the cause of the bad play. I was hoping he was going to play last week. I was hoping he was going to miss the cut and I was hoping we were going to get a real good number on him this week. But I, I agree. I think that, um, and we've seen this before from him. He is such a uh, creature of habit. He's such a analytical guy. Like there's a little rust that he's going to have to knock off and he's going to have to kind of figure it out and work his swing into shape. And I don't think it happens immediately. So yes, I'm excited for Bryson moving forward, but probably not here and probably not in the first round. Didn't he have like a crazy memorial last year? Or was that too? I I feel like he had a really weird memorial where he maybe made like a giant number or hit the ball out of bounds or something was like that, that. Was that the uh, uh, that was where he he came up with this gif where it was like, and he's counting right. up all the strokes and he made a ten and he like hit it ob and then he hit the next one like up against the same exact fence. That was here, right? Right. And this is not a you know he has one here, but it was before he beefed up. Right. It was when he was kind of employing a little bit of a different strategy. So, I, I mean, how much better of this is a course for his strategy now? It kind of still remains to be seen. Yeah, that was skinny Bryson uh, who won here. OK, so. The code you're looking for is Rick. There's a link in the description. Armina also put the link in the chat and I've tweeted out that sheet. Uh, I'll try to update it after each round. We'll see what they offer and how quickly they get it out. But um yeah, seems to be some weird stuff going on with those birdie or better matchups. Uh, we've got to do head-to-head matchups. We've got to do one-and-done selections, and we are going to do that after this quick break. If you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props, and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over-under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf-specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props. That's right. What score will a golfer make on a specific hole? I have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries. And now prize picks is offering a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the code Rick at sign up or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. Okay. Andy matchup time. Head-to-head matchups. I was three and two last week. You were zero, zero, and zero because we did not have you on the Tuesday show. So I'm sure you're chomping at the bit to get back and throw up another winning week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 46 and 27 and four. Woo. I mean, if we finish the, uh, if I finish the season above like 60, percent that's it's pretty good. Pretty pretty large sample size for that. So. Uh, again, if I was golf czar, uh, you know how they have the NFL, the super contest where you have to pick five games a week and then they keep your season long, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I want a golf version of that. 
where they give you 15 matchups a week. You have to choose five of them and we keep your total over the whole season. And the winner gets like, I don't know, a trillion dollars or something like that. I would be so down for that. Do you play in the NFL one? Cause you're in Vegas and you kind of, don't you have to like go there to put it so in? They have like runners. Yeah. So I do not want to, uh, I don't want to open up my inbox for this, but I actually registered some people last year because you have to register. Okay. And once you register, uh, you can use a proxy to put your picks in. So I don't put the picks in for people, but I just registered them because uh, I'm a nice guy. Uh, and I was like this close to doing it myself. And I'm like, I know so little about this that I might actually be dangerous. Like if I just, you know, <laughs> just follow the numbers, don't watch the games and see what happens. Uh, I've been, I've been tempted to join. Yeah, I think that's one I I've thought about it too. That because that's I love I love the NFL and that stuff's really fun. But yeah, golf one would be really a golf one would be really really fun with that. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, we got to get the guys at Circa to do it. They they run so the Super Contest is the West Gates, and then Circa does their own, which they guarantee a ton of money up top. Uh, maybe they could run a uh, golf one. Okay. DB straight vibing Daniel Berger versus Corey Connors. You and I same size, same side. We are uh, quickly forgiving Corey Connors and his bad play as of late. We are, um, yeah. I think this is a good buy low spot for Connors, right? I mean, if we like him at a course like Augusta, if we loved him at TPC Potomac, now you're getting a situation at depressed odds and depressed ownership, and something with Berger like. I don't know. I just, it doesn't, something doesn't, something seems a little bit off with him. I, I was able to track him a little bit over the weekend and he was fine, but it just, it doesn't seem like he has his best stuff right now. So I, I, I like the course fit a little bit better with Connor. So that's where I'm going to go. Yeah. It could be a little injury, could be a little um, lingering, whatever, but the metrics have not been as good. Corey Connors had one, had two bad rounds. He had two bad rounds. Otherwise, this is a golf course that should set up well for him. So we'll take Connors over Berger. Patrick Cantlay over Colin Morikawa. Uh, we are on different sides here. Who have you opted for? I went with Morikawa. I think this is a tough one, man. I, I kind of, I I saw, I want to get different in some way, shape or form because I saw that we were, we were pretty aligned on some of the other ones. So I went with Morikawa here, uh, but I, I think you make a great argument for both sides. I think Cantlay is another one of those guys where it's like, okay, how much stock do you really want to put into two bad days at the PGA? Right. And I think both have kind of like Colin hasn't been great. Patrick Cantlay hasn't been great, especially major championships, but they battled in a playoff here last year. Uh, maybe this is a get like, I'm, I'm not confident in either side of this. I have, I have Cantlay, you have Morikawa, but man, you could, you could tell me any set of results for these two, and I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Cantlay's probably the smarter pick, wreck because Morikawa's more variable, right? Like, Cantlay's probably a better bet to make the cut than Morikawa is because Cantlay has less weeks where he loses six or seven strokes putting, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, so there will be blood there. How about this one? Couple of ball strikers, Sadeki Matsuyama and Will Zalatoris. You've opted for Willie Z. He's missed two cuts in his last three, Andy, but uh the rest of the results there are pretty darn good. Yeah, I went with Zalatoris. I like I like Hideki fine uh too. You know, I we'll get to him a little bit later. Uh, but I I, I like Zalatoris on these more difficult courses. I think that if you just continue to not necessarily to win, but if you continue to roll out Zalatoris in, in DraftKings, anytime you get to Torrey Pines, Bay Hill, Riviera, Muirfield, the majors every year, like, and he'll tell you the same thing. He said this before in interviews. I just like him on courses that are more difficult T to green tests. So I'll rock with Zalatoris here. Yeah, certainly a tough one here. Like both of these guys, I opted for Hideki. He's won this event. I think Hideki could be maybe the most underrated golfer that we have right now. I mean, he's won twice in probably 12 starts. He's been really good. Otherwise, a couple of injury scares along the way, but Hideki's rocking and rolling, man. Hideki's playing great. He's won at this course before. 
I think there's a little bit of like a flop lag thing with him too this week because he was very, very popular at the PGA and then the injury stuff kind of started to freak everyone out later in the week and he didn't play very well. And yeah, I, I think this is a good spot for Hideki in, in kind of all markets. Xander versus Victor. And you and I are both going to take the X-Man. I, I just think his floor is higher. I just think he's the more well-rounded golfer. His results here have kind of proven that. And if I've only got to beat one guy, I think that high floor is pretty, uh, pretty enticing. Well, this is like the ultimate you versus me, like tug at our heartstrings matchup, right? Um, both our favorite golfers. I'm surprised out of principle that you went Xander. I actually like both of these guys a lot. I bet both of these guys. This is my betting card, Xander and Victor this week. I, uh, I thought about just rolling with Victor, but I listen, I, I can be, I can be, uh, you know, non-biased. I can be, uh, I can be straightforward. I can be real with it. I think Xander is, is the better play here, but it hurts yeah. to say that. No, I, I've have always Rick ever. I have always thought that if there was a perfect course on the PGA tour for Xander to win at it's Mirfield village. I think this course sets out perfectly for his game. So, I'm, I'm fairly confident this week on him. And then finally, we are both on the same side here. Jordan Spieth over Cam Smith. I'm, I'm still ready for like this, this Spieth run when he can figure out the putter. Um, it's going to be scary stuff. If he does it anytime soon, he's going to make a hell of a run this year. And the only thing that Cam Smith worries me with is that he can get wayward with that driver. Right. Cam Smith has pretty tough course history here. Um, he's a better player now, but you know, you're right. I think the big issue with Cam Smith is that of the elite players, he is the one both anecdotally and statistically that can go the most sideways off the tee, even more so than a guy like Justin Thomas. And you have that paired with Jordan Spieth, who is driving the ball the best he's ever driven in his entire career right? Like Spieth's gained over two strokes off the tee and like four straight starts, right? So I just trust Spieth's driver a little bit more. Um, and I think they're, you know, the other parts of their game are still pretty equal. So I'll, I'll go with Spieth here. Spieth for both of us over Cam Smith. One and done. Armina, show us the standings. Thank you very much. So last week, Andy, I had Jordan Spieth. You had Webb Simpson. I got a quarter million, 246. You got 56. I chipped into the lead a little bit. Uh, I, I, I need more. This is a big week for me. 12 million up top. I, I, I need this. You're close, man. You're, this is a, like, it's a dangerous little, yeah, I, I don't feel safe. I have toiled over this with my team like all morning. I don't know if you noticed this. I've switched my pick in the outline twice in the last 12 hours. Um, I feel it. I feel you on my tail. I can hear the proverbial footsteps. I'm going with I'm go, I'm going with Hideki okay. though, because I had Xander here. And I started, which and maybe this is dangerous, but I started to do the mapping out. I started to do the mapping out for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. Start thinking about all that. Start and I started to think like, okay, U.S. Open, who do I want to have? Open Championship, who do I want to have? And I thought this was a good spot to roll out Hideki. Now watch Xander win. But I, I just worry about the variability with Hideki is my issue. And that's why it feels uncomfortable doing him when you're starting to chip away week in and week out at my lead, but I still think this is a good spot for us, for him, per se. Chris Carter wants to know if you are trying to HV3 your one-and-done lead away. God, it certainly feels like that, right? I, could, I mean, I had, um, I had a very disappointing run from Spieth at the PGA. I had my first miscut in 18 tournaments with Gooch at the Byron Nelson. And then Webb was what? 30th. Um, I think you've beat me three weeks in a row. I think, uh, we both got basically nothing at the PGA championship, but I beat right. you. 
at the Charles Schwab. Uh, I got 160,000 more at the Byron Nelson. I got 650,000 more at the Wells Fargo. So that's, that's three out of the last four. Yeah. So you're heating up, you're trending in the right direction and, and I'm kind of slowing down and you picked a pretty dangerous golfer in your own right this week. Yes. So you will go with, uh, Hideki Matsuyama. I will go with Colin Morikawa. And this, this was kind of very natural for me. I just think that, uh, any way you shape this up, I think I had to pick Morikawa. I'm not, I'm not thrilled. I'm obviously happy, but I'm not thrilled about it where, you know, he was the, he had the shortest odds of all the guys that I had left. He's obviously got, um, you know, the playoff loss last year. So he has played well here before you have already used him. So I knew there was no risk of us running out the same golfer. So it was very, very natural for me to choose Colin here. I am at least a couple of digits worried, right? I mean, he hasn't played great. I probably need to find a good putting week. He could put himself out of this and not really ever contend. I I'm not, I'm not thrilled, but I think this is still the way I had to go. It makes me feel a little bit more comfortable than if you had picked a Rom or a Xander, which I don't even, I know you don't have Rom. I'm not sure if you have Xander. I don't have Xander either. I would have loved okay. to. Because Morikawa gives you a little bit of that variability too, right? Like Morikawa, you know, I've heard, you know, it's who Morikawa is. He's never going to be like a John Rom that's going to rack up a ton of top tens. What Morikawa is going to do is he's going to win one to four times every single year. And the rest of his season, it's going to be a lot of T37s and T42s and T55s because the putter can get going quickly in the wrong direction you're taking a guy who's he's kind of due for a win though. It's kind of about, it's kind of right about time where it's like, okay, Morikawa is due for that plus five putting week. If I said, how about this? If we, um, if I said, okay, Andy, uh, would you give me $150,000 now for Colin Morikawa? Would you, would you take that? 150 and I'm up 900 K you are up. Uh, thank you. Like, yeah, like a little, yeah, uh, no, a little, closer. A, a little over a million. Yeah. Uh, one probably, I probably would. What because if I, I just, I'm such, so scared about Collins. What, what's 150 K finishing seventh, something like that. Maybe a little bit worse here. Maybe ninth or. Tenth. Yeah. Yeah. I take it. I would, because I just think that how you beat me is with top threes. Yeah. And if you can get top tens and I can get top twenties, I'm okay with that. How you beat me is with wits. And I'm that I have that much respect for Morikawa's winning ability that I'd take it. Five hundred K is now we're starting. That's a conversation. Since I missed six consecutive cuts and I got six zeros in a row. Since then, uh we have we have played fifteen events. I've made 3.1 million. You've made 2.4. So yeah. I've been consistently chipping. I'm rallying the troops, baby. We're coming for yeah. you. Yeah. You're dangerous. I hear, I hear the footsteps. All right. Um, so I'm excited to, uh, to see how it plays out this week. I'm hoping for a big bounce back. Lovely. Well, maybe we will also get some live golf news uh, this week because they're nine days away from a tournament. We have no idea who's playing. So that'll be fun. But I guess until then, we'll have to just wait and see. Andy, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, you can find Andy on Twitter at ADP Lack Sports. Armina does all the hard work behind the scenes. Thank you very much. You can find me at Rick Run Good. We will see you on Friday. Best of luck this week.